It's it's a common theme in my life. Hour two of the Plank Show. Okay, can, I don't want to get sucked. In. We got OU baseball to talk about, and I want to spend some time recapping what we saw last night with Dylan Delucia. But I think I I'm digging one angle of this storyline with Kyrie Irving, Josh. And here's what it is: it's not going to drag out, right? It's something that allegedly will be resolved by Wednesday. And so that way I don't have to hear 8,000 different analyses and analysts talking about the future of Kyrie Irving. And according to Adrian Wojnarowski last night, his list of teams include the Lakers, Clippers, Knicks, Heat, Mavericks, and 76ers. And while a lot of people are spending time dumping on the Knicks today, the theory is that they know they're getting Kyrie. Thoughts? They, they might know that. What else are they getting? Because Kyrie alone is not. That's a fair point. Uh, not three first round picks that are very heavily protected from the Thunder. I guess there you go. I mean, why would if you know you're getting Kyrie? I mean, what what impact does that have on drafting there or not drafting there? That's a fair point. I don't know. I mean, look, I love it for the Thunder. Maybe part of it, part of it too, is for the sick. Did I just say the Sixers? Who are we talking about? The Knicks. To have the power to go make that move, right? No offense. Nobody wants any of the Knicks players. But if it's a sign-and-trade situation, they can offer Brooklyn, eh, you know, we got some of these first-round picks. And then that I got you. Right? I'm assuming that because that's the only thing that would make sense with what the Knicks did last night. Mm -hmm. Another rumor that was going around was that they basically take the long shot of making that trade last night, assuming they're going to get Jalen Brunson. But if they don't get Jalen Brunson, it's all a wash. Mm. So their push there is to free up more space for Brunson. Okay, I could see that. Gosh, I'm just not as big on Jalen Brunson as some people are. It's going to be fun if it blows up in in their face. I, I mean, I was looking at in fact because I had heard that, and I just, I mean, I don't get me wrong, I I like him, I like him a lot, but I don't. If you're if that's the guy, it's like who are you getting to kind of plant your flag? Jalen Brunson. Like like you said. Okay, who else? What do you think <laughs> what do you think the odds are? They got Randall Plank. Bing bong. What do you think the odds are that the best player Oklahoma City drafted last night was the second player it drafted? Say his name again for me so I can work on the pronunciation Usmati of Smotty Diang. Diang. I like Diang a lot. I'm not going to pretend like I've sat here and scouted him to the degree that some Twitter scouts maybe have, but I like Six him. Six foot ten, eight feet, forty five inch wingspan. Don't appear to be in any rush, right? You're going to let him develop a little bit. He's described based on the highlights I watched this morning as a good spot up three point shooter. All these guys could shoot. They drafted last night, which. Wow, what a novel concept. What, what an idea, right? You're telling me you got to be able to shoot the ball to win? We need some more guys in Oklahoma City that can toss up some bricks. We don't have enough of those guys. But, yeah, no, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think he could end up being one of the best guys. Are, am, am I really – am I the only one that's down on Brunson? Not, not – and, again, good player, but if As I'm – a Mavericks fan myself, uh, I'm like – I'm not as huge okay. on JB as most people are. Like – like before, like all the Christian Wood stuff, I would have been fine if they traded him, like sign and trade or something like mm-hmm. that. But at the same time, I do like having him on my team. All right, he he doesn't. 
he doesn't strike me as a superstar. All right, that's kind of what I was. Like, I don't even know. I mean, Hudson? I don't even know if he's a star in the league. Is he? He won them the first round against the Jazz, practically. Yeah. Then we'll give him a playoff series. I mean, he's a he's a nice player, but third option, right on a really good team. But okay, so and I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to understand the math of it, but. If the Knicks do get Brunson and can somehow work out a sign and trade with Kyrie, I mean that ends up okay. Now, now, now I'll listen to you. I don't know if Randall would still be a part of. I don't know if he'll still still be a part of that roster. But okay, I'll listen. I, I'm just trying to find other stories from last night beyond just what is a great large question mark about the Thunder, right? You think that they're the guy they took after Holmgren could end up being the biggest star? That's fine. I'm not going to argue, but. I'm still trying to make sense of the team that was willing to give up its first-round pick so they could go up and get him, and that's the Knicks. By the way, one quick side note. Of the thousands and thousands of NBA analysts that ESPN has and college basketball analysts at <laughs> yes, that. Yes, I know, ex- I know exactly where we're headed. Why, why is ESPN obsessed with putting Kendrick Perkins on the broadcast? And so they're like, oh, well, I'll go to ABC. It's got to be better. It's worse on ABC. Worse. And then – there's some where they just have eight guys like her sitting around a chair and all they're talking about is the Knicks. Spike Lee and Stephen A. I don't care. I mean, you've got Jay Billis, um, Mike, uh, not Mike Greenberg. Who's the green the coach that was at Virginia Tech? You've got all these dudes. You've got J.J. Redick that you're using. Um, you've got NBA's uh, Tim Leckler. Was he even on the broadcast last night? Mm, I don't think on ESPN. I see J.J. Redick unless he was doing that roundtable thing with Stephen A. Smith. But you put Kendrick Perkins? Yeah, that's the, f- I, that's the problem they run into is now anymore, like ESPN, you know, for these drafts and stuff, they think they have to have 75 different broadcasts. I, I guess so. You know, like put your best broadcasters on one broadcast. Mm. I don't need to watch the NBA draft four different ways. I just want the one broadcast, and I want it to be great. Mm-hmm. You, you know what? Uh, we did have history made last night from a broadcast perspective for the NBA draft. The worst mispronunciation of a name by Kendrick Perkins? <laughs> well, no? no, that was oh, not okay. the history I was referring to, though. Sorry. That was exciting. Malika Andrews was the oh, yeah. the first woman to host an NBA draft. And I, I think she is an absolute rock star. Big, big fan, Josh Helmer. Of Malika Andrews. I'm from little, day one. From day one, by the way. I'm a little bit concerned, though, about the the talent scouts over at ESPN that it took this long for them to figure out that she's good. But, you know, whatever. Neither here nor there. You're right about Kendrick Perkins. Oh what, what value could he possibly add? <laughs> you might as well have put me up there to evaluate the NBA okay. draft prospects. I know as much as he does. <laughs> so I, I went through last night while this was going on, and I and I picked my three favorite tweets because, well, I mean, listen, once they got past the Thunder making the trade and reading all the instant analysis, you know, 17 through 60 or however many picks there are, usually ends up being a crapshoot. You know, one of those dudes ends up being a dude. And all do you hear about it forever. Hey, Nikola Jokic. Lowest one, lowest drafted, two-time MVP. I'm like, what about the eight thousand other guys that have been drafted in that range over the last three years? Anyway, so I start searching Kendrick Perkins on Twitter. Oh, that's right, I sent my favorite to you. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I sent my favorite to you last night. Uh, Kendrick Perkins is like his mom went to church for six straight years. His comp is Jesus. 
Because his comparisons are like ridiculous. I really like this Chet Holmgren. To me, he's like a mix between Akeem Olajuwon and Tim Duncan. You're like, what? Uh, here's another one from Shrieker who writes, I'm convinced ESPN producers let Kendrick Perk. Did I say Kendrick Lamar? No, no, okay. no. They let Kendrick Perkins jump on any program he purely wants to because they love it when he mispronounces players' names. <laughs> he had some doozies last night. Uh, Kevin writes, mostly here for Kendrick Perkin player comp, better than any stand-up set on Netflix. Yeah, I couldn't get enough of it. Oh, here's another one. Here's another one. One more. Dudes will listen to Kendrick Perkins' analysis on national TV and still act like the former NBA players uh, are guaranteed to have good NBA takes. (laughs) Kendrick Lamar, you mentioned him. He actually probably would have been better on the day as – how much film do you think Kendrick Perkins has actually watched on these prospects? Zero. <laughs> what they played right there, then in, in that moment. That's it, all he's seen. I, and I'm OG Ananobi, I think is the guy the Raptors uh-huh. uh, have. And then uh, Benedict Matherin was. Matherin. Matt, did I say? Okay. It's Matherin. Well, you, you can make fun of me, but listen to Kendrick Perkins try to say his name last night. This was absolutely. Positively fantastic. Absolutely. I got OG and, and, and Ginobili. When, oh. when you talk about his size, <laughs> the comparison. Was, it was OG and Anobi, not the uh, Benedict guy. But anyway, you get my point. It was a rough night. Play that again. I want to hear that one more okay, time. Okay, I'm sorry. This was him trying to talk about the the Raptors, I guess you can say, star. Oh, hold on. It takes it a second. Absolutely. I got OG and, 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 and Ginobili. When you, when you talk about Oh man, and, 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 and. that's good stuff. That's nah, he, funny. He man. got there. It just took him a while. I, I guess again, I just I don't get it. I, I I don't get it. In that regard, on the pronunciation thing, I'm not going to live in a glass house. That uh, I don't think that he knows anything about really any of the draft prospects. But uh, we've all had a, a bad pronunciation or two. I, I got your back, Kendrick Perkins. In that regard, all right. Um, Eric Sorensen's going to join us coming up here in just a bit, but allow me to use the few. Say- oh, I'm sorry, Pierce. You want to add something on the draft coverage from last night? I you're was big- going to talk you- about Kendrick is not the worst uh, person to go on there and miss his name. You remember Charles Barkley, uh, Moses Moody incident? Uh, <laughs> there was like three different broadcasts in a row on separate days where he couldn't pronounce it. So Hold he's on. not the worst. Yeah, I got to find that because that was that's one of my. <laughs> <laughs> that one's up there for all time worst. Yeah. Um, and, and he had – here's another one where he had – Kendrick had – oh, my gosh, the internet – oh, yeah, here we go. Here we go. This is <laughs> this is Kendrick Perkins trying to say Moses Moody. Here it is. Let's listen to this. Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, two of the best to ever do it. When you look at Moody, 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 Moses Moody, Moses Moody. That's Perk. That's not Charles Barkley. Oh, my. Look at that. You're trying to slander Barkley's name. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can do the show if you play oh, that one. Oh, again. oh, I do want to listen. Oh, dang it! It went to a commercial. Poor. <laughs> I do appreciate though how his play-by-play guy had his back eventually. This I, was from uh, two years. I ago. I take everything back. I just said about <laughs> him having any sort of a pass. Curry, two of the best to ever do it. When you look at Modi Moody, Modi Moody, Modi Moody, Modi Moody, Modi <laughs> Who was that that helped him out? Moses I, Moody. <laughs> I want to say that it was um, not Fowler, but who do I always a- accuse of being the doppelganger for Chris Fowler? And they've never Reese Davis. I think it was Reese Davis oh that was in the NBA goodness. draft that year. Why did he have so much trouble with that name? And I can't stop laughing. 
That was last year's draft too. Just, am, just for just for clarity for those of you that are just tuning in. I am crying. Pierce trying oh to destroy Charles Barkley on this program. I was trying to help Kendrick. You guys have been <laughs> all on the Kendrick. You know what's slander. funny? Is I wonder. I wonder if we wouldn't have said anything, right? And we just let that go if we didn't dig it up. If anyone would have corrected us on the text line, I'm sure they would have. Oh yeah, Modi Modi Moody Modi. <laughs> There was a couple. I think I would have been thrown off, too. That's legendary. I, yeah, you know what? Maybe that's what they were trying to recreate is just kind yeah. of another moment. <laughs> By the way, that. oh, look, it didn't take. Right away, the 918 immediately was correcting you. Immediately was correcting you. You don't need to toss that one on the prep page. You can. He wasn't correcting me. He was making a joke. He said, Kendrick Parkinson just looks like a fat James Harden. No, 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 no. I just meant that was perk. <laughs> so I thought that I thought James Harden put on some weight. <laughs> And don't don't worry, Pierce. You're going to get corrected a lot over there. Same way the plank and I do. Oh my gosh, that's why I gave him the Air Comfort Solutions text line. <laughs> yes, I'm not messing with it. I love you, people. But we have geez. fragile egos, Pierce. We, we, well, we need you over there. Not just that. I've noticed this. It's Plank Show with Josh Helmer and Chris Plank, Eric Sorensen coming up next. Pierce, the intern, uh, working the text, so you can hit him up four zero five six five one three four three nine. Um. I, I noticed this became like a thing where everyone is very territorial about their baseball knowledge. It's by God. I know baseball. I you saying I'm not saying no one knows baseball. I'm just saying think differently. Boy, people get very. I had someone on Twitter last night that was mad at the way that people had talked on what was the show we fought um, Monday show. It's like I still can't believe it. I'm like can't. Listen, I'm over it. I'm fine. But there is, and I you know what? I think you see this a lot. Try to choose my words carefully here, but with people that haven't necessarily covered a lot of baseball, right? And you don't, but then suddenly they're called to cover it, and they want to make sure that you know how much they know about baseball. Yes, right. It's like, listen, I haven't talked about this sport all year long, but back in blah 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 and blah, and you're just like, okay, just it's fine to talk about it. Yeah, it's okay. And, we don't we right. don't need a dissertation. And then I don't also I don't think some I think some fans get too territorial, you know with. With that, and it's been on display this week. We don't need to go down that road, but just a ah, let's revisit it. A fascinating time whenever it comes to fan engagement and fan intensity. Speaking of that, uh, more of your texts coming up. Want to hit us up on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line? You can do it at four zero five three two nine nine thousand. Eric Sorensen will join us coming up right after the bottom of the hour. Now, right at ten thirty five, right here on the ref. Still, just one quick Grinch. Man, I wish. I wish they wouldn't make it so hard to watch the draft. Just tell me who's been traded, who they've been traded for, instead of saying that this pick – just say it's the pick of the – I mean, why do we still do this? Did, it's getting better, right? Summer? Yes. Is it just me? Or did last night kind of feel like it took forever? I fell asleep midway through the second round. I'm not going to lie. My wife came and she's like, what are you doing? I'm like – what? what time? I, I didn't. I didn't stay up for the end of it. What time did the second round end? It I, had to be after midnight, right? It was pretty late. Yeah, I mean, it had to be like at least eleven, eleven fifteen. Okay, so it that. was it was earlier than that. Ah, <laughs> give or take. I mean, I'm not even kidding. When I decided to put my phone down and just watch TV, I could not tell you what how long anything lasts. It's just I'm so dorked out on second it. round of the NBA draft. With look. All, all love, peace and love. Peace and love. Look, we're not watching the second round of the NBA draft, right? It's, right. it's. I'll check who they drafted tomorrow. Sure, who do they pick up as a free agent, right? As an undrafted free agent. Oh, and, and by the way, don't let me forget before we get out of here today. 
I have to stick up for your boys. I do not believe a word of the Tyreek Hill story about getting death threats. Am I? Is that a terrible thing to say? I feel like we do this a lot to try to garner some sympathy, and we've seen it backfire a lot. Where I mean, who was the coach a while back? Um, the Florida coach that ended up at Central Michigan. Name escapes me right now. Oh. Jumped on the uh, shark, right? So literally, oh no, he was McElwain. jumping on a dolphin. Yeah, Jim McElwain. Jim McElwain. Whenever he was like, you know, yeah, he, the guy that was naked on the boat. Yeah, in in that's apparently not true. But he he even said it. He's like, I I got death threats. And Jumping on a shark's one way to describe it. But it's a fair way to put it. And that's, then that's the other way. They were not able to substantiate any of the claims. Listen, I know there's crazy people out there. I trust me, I live it. But Josh, I don't think anyone's threatening to kill Tyree Kill as a Chiefs fan over his comments from his podcast. And if they are, then <laughs> please, can we? Contact the authorities right. and get them institutionalized. I mean, if, if you're saying I received death threats and it just it starts with the opening segment of your podcast and it didn't involve you going to authorities right away, then I immediately become skeptical. He, yeah, but, I, that's just me though. I, I I'm not here to defend Chief Fan, and I know we're moving on, but and I don't want I don't want to with what I'm about to say next ooh. diminish. Oh boy, do we have the dumb button up right now, just in case? <laughs> right, yes. Get on the ready in there. I don't want to diminish what uh, Tyreek Hill said here or, like, death threats, which right. is incredibly, incredibly serious. It's not just, ha-ha, oh, they got a death threat. But is this the first death threat that Tyreek Hill's gotten? I, I doubt it. No, I mean, you're you right. You know what I mean? Especially with some of the things that he went through in his career early so, on his own fault. So why is this the one where – He's being public about it. Is it just because it's on the podcast and he's discussing it? Well, and I also think that it, there was a lot of heat to it. And I think this is his way to try to to build up. I, if there's receipts out there, I'll walk it back. I'm not here, but it's just I always feel like that you need the receipts, as crazy as that sound sounds in something like this, especially when you're pointing the finger at a fan base, right? And if you show it, you're like, yep. Um, this whole saga with Tyreek Hill is so weird. <laughs> By the way, the the first text on it is, please do not open that can of worms. I'm, not, I'm just bringing it up. I saw it on SportsCenter. I thought, huh, I'm not here to defend Tyree Kill, but, I mean, you, you got to have a little bit more than just saying it on your podcast when you're pointing a finger at a fan base. That's it. That's all I'm saying. Why is he so caught up in – and, I look, I'm always going to like Tyree Kill – Nothing that has happened these last couple of weeks. The dude brought home the first Super Bowl to Kansas City in my life. And as a Chiefs fan, you know, you're kind of grandfathered in at that point. Right. But, like, what is his fascination with doing this podcast? <sighs> he just got a monster contract from Miami. What? What is it? Do, you know what I mean? Like, is it Draymond Green doing his podcast and he sees some of these other I, I athletes know. doing the podcast and stuff? Like, he does not need this money or fame. You, you, you see what I'm saying from the podcast? So, like, why is he working so hard at being controversial and throwing takes out there and saying things about Patrick Mahomes that, look, I mean, okay, does he really believe Tua Tungavailoa is more accurate and a better quarterback and this and that than Mahomes? Really? I mean, did did Kansas did Kansas City really not value you that much, Tyreek? Or was it hey, I want to go live on the beach? 
Like, which of these two options, is it door one or door two that is more entertaining that's going to get people to listen to this podcast? Okay, well, it's the door where I'm controversial about Patrick Mahomes and Tua Tungavailoa. I think all of us get that and see that. I'm just asking the question, uh, uh, why? Oh, by the way, okay, I'm sorry. I'm opening this can of worms real quick. Do you see they apparently found the Tyreek Hill burner account, too? Oh, really? Yeah. What's he saying over there? Um... There, is it Kevin Durant burner is, good or no? Hold on. This hasn't really kind of made the rounds yet, but apparently there is a Twitter human named at Hunter Rolls who has started digging a little bit, kind of like where I'm like, okay, well, where's the receipts? You know, I'm, uh, this is embarrassing if it's true, but it's a pretty big claim to make. Um, with that in mind, I guess they found a burner account, and the burner account was the the name on the burner account was Leroy Jenkins, but it was at Bruno all day, and every every single like anti Tyree Kill comment, this dude had replied to it. Oh my! This at Bruno all day, and then all of a sudden, one day later, it's all been deleted. So, Mm. and again, I don't know. After they sleuthed it out, you're right, saying right, right. Deleted either that or someone is like, "Is this you?" Because you're you really seem to be responding to a lot of anti Tyree Kate, um, anti Tyree and Tyree Kate. But no, isn't it kind of amazing? I I don't know. I, maybe I would be like some of these athletes. I guess it's you know you sit here and kind of judge how somebody else responds, but right. not that. You know, look, I'm not trying to sit here and act like, you know, right now I'm Stephen A. Smith or Kyle Cowherd or this or that. But I can't believe that. I've made a whole segment out of this. I'm so sorry. I'm trying to get to baseball. You, you and I get negative feedback, and oh. I don't reply to every negative message. I do. That, look, if you're going to be a broadcaster, people are going to tell you you stink. A lot. You know? Like, there's going to be some people that – Think you're good, or mm-hmm. you had you did a good job that day. I really enjoyed your interview. And there's going to be a couple other guys that you suck. I hate you. Don't do this anymore. Mm. And you you know what I mean? It's like I don't respond or feel the need to respond to everyone. It bothers you sometimes. Sure, it does. Sure. Right. I'm human. I bleed my own blood. I bleed my own blood. But I don't know. That's like the idea that any athlete could be that consumed in responding to every piece of criticism is fascinating to me. I give you Kevin Durant from the NBA. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on this more in the top five stories of the day. In the meantime, before Eric Sorensen joins us, real quick recap from last night. So Oklahoma gets Ole Miss. Uh, judging by my quick research, unless I missed a game somewhere, these two teams haven't met since 2003 when Ole Miss eliminated the Sooners from the Oxford Regional. I think it was an unfortunate final score of like 20-5. to five. But that's that's 19 years ago, so that's ancient history. Um, this Ole Miss team had to pitch their ace last night, and he was really, really good <laughs> in Dylan Delucia. Went a complete game, uh, scattered four hits. All four hits for Arkansas came with two outs. Arkansas had three at-bats with a runner in scoring position in the game. One of them was in the fr- – actually, uh, yeah. No, that was it. They had they – had, Three. One was in the first, one was in the third, and one was in the seventh. And that was it. They didn't get the leadoff hitter on base all night long. They're calling it one of the best pitching performances in the history of the College World Series. 
and it couldn't be better news for Oklahoma Josh because now Dylan DeLucia probably can't throw in this championship series, right? He was already on short rest. So I think that I think that he's going to start if it goes to the if necessary. You game think on DeLucia would start on Monday? Three days rest? Yeah, I do. Really? You agree, now, Pierce? You now, have to at that point. Wow. You have You're to playing for a national championship. I guess it, it depends on how your other pitchers are pitching. Like if you have some decent outings, Good like point. before that. Maybe you like you kind of like, but if you get blown out game one, you squeeze by game two. Like you know, you got to pitch your. Ace. And, by the and way, I'm Q, not saying Q that he, Kendall texting us to tell us that we have no faith talking about the potential of a Monday game. But go ahead, Josh. <laughs> yeah, no, he'll be telling me that he'll be, it's coming. Just, he'll be just critical don't, here just wait, just wait. Just tick tocking down to that. I, I'm not saying that Delucia will, you know, throw nine innings again or sure. seven. But I just like if it gets to that Monday. And it's to decide the national championship. I get it's three days rest, and we're more cognizant of ever of trying to take care of players, you know, arms and in you know the injury side of it. But look, he is going to be telling everybody on the Ole Miss coaching staff, "Throw me, throw right. me, throw me," and he's he's going to get a couple of innings in that game, I, I, and he's going to start it. Yeah. Interesting, then. Let's don't get to Monday. Uh, here was the final out last night, courtesy of the Westwood One Radio Network. Ole Miss on their way to the championship series for the first time in program history where the Oklahoma Sooners await them. This, Kevin Kugler and the crew over at, hold on, hold on, littering and, littering and, Westwood One. The pitch from DeLucia. Swung on and missed. Strike three. And for the first time in school history, Ole Miss will play for a baseball national championship. And Saturday night, it's Ole Miss and OU playing for the national title. The Rebels top the Razorbacks 2-0. Now, I was all in on this last night, uh, yesterday afternoon, I guess, but before we break and before we kind of recap the Arkansas Ole Miss with Eric Sorensen from D1Baseball.com next, I mean, Josh, Arkansas just never had any opportunities in this game. I mean, Delusia not only shut him down, he shut down any chance of them getting a chance. Any chance? Any chance? Any shot of them getting a chance to do anything. Their best opportunity was in the seventh, and it was with two outs. Yeah. No, he was absolutely nails and – Exactly what the doctor ordered for an old Miss team that, I'll be honest, I mean, I didn't think they were winning that game yesterday versus Arkansas. To, to me, I, I thought that thing was decided the day before on Wednesday that it was all about whether or not the Hogs could force that if necessary game. They did, and they couldn't do anything with it, which was a big-time shock for me. But uh, now it's OU, now it's Ole Miss. And I think that's I think that's a better matchup for Oklahoma. But I like it a lot. You know, when we come back, let's uh, let's dive into who is the favorite. Now, the betting favorite. It's did you say that Ole Miss had a nod minus? Uh, well, the last numbers I saw this morning, and I don't know who this was from, but DraftKings somebody was minus one thirty. Okay, for Ole Miss and uh, plus one ten for Oklahoma. Okay. Well, we'll hear from Eric next and get his perspective on it right here on The Plank Show. All right, welcome back into The Plank Show. Uh, as promised, I had a chance last night to catch up with Eric Sorensen from D1 Baseball, and we started our conversation talking about what we all witnessed last night, one of the greatest pitchers' duels. How good? 
in college baseball history. Hold on there. Hold on there. Here we go. How good was that from <laughs> Dylan DeLucia? Oh, man, it was it was really jamming, man. I, I, I was I kind of didn't know exactly what to expect. You know, they're the two best pitchers on their teams. You know, they're both aces in the SEC Friday guys. But, you know, Delucia's going on a little bit shorter rest than normal. Uh, Nolan, I think the same. So you kind of wondered if it was going to still be these guys just shoving it, you know, nine innings long and or practically a nine for Delucia and seven for – was it seven, I guess, for, for Connor Nolan. Or no, eight. Eight for Connor Nolan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you didn't really know what to expect. But, man, what a thing of beauty. It, it, deserved, it deserved like an opera singer behind them or something. It was really a piece, a piece of work. Um, Beautiful. And of course, uh, Chris, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the fact that, you know, after these games that we've had three and three and a half hours, three, you know, almost four hours for Texas A&M games this week, oh. it was really kind of nice not to have the, uh, you know, the sun pelting down on us and just boiling us for four hours. It was great to have a good swift game. You know, every once in a while, you got to cleanse the palate with a good pitching performance. And, and man alive, is that what we got today or what? Yeah, no, it was fantastic. You guys should follow Eric. He's fantastic on Twitter at Stitch underscore head, D1Baseball.com. He's all over it. Now, listen, just sidebar to this. What has the environment been like with some, you know, Arkansas's there a lot. Ole Miss isn't. Oklahoma hasn't been in a minute. Um, I mean, Texas is yeah. pretty familiar. But, I mean, what's that atmosphere been like from a fan perspective, from a, a juice perspective around the stadium? Yeah, it's really weird, Chris, because – I mean, obviously, the, the teams in the SEC have great fan bases. Uh, they're they're going to outnumber everybody here. Uh, Texas has a good fan base. And then you have a healthy dose of people that hate Texas and, and hate Notre Dame. So yeah, the fans have been really jam, uh, really uh, jamming along here. It's, you know, the early games, and they're into the games a lot. And you hear you just you, – you, some of the players have mentioned in the post games about how they can feel that energy and everything – but at the same time, again, we're talking about such long games and no drama, really, except these last two games with Ole Miss and, 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 uh, and Arkansas. So it's kind of just lacked a lot of drama. Uh, so it's been a lot of you know, people sitting on their hands at times, it seems like. But to be honest with you, though, yeah, the, the fans have still been really great and the atmospheres haven't been too bad. It's just not been uh, the kind of College World Series we're used to where we see a lot of, you know, a lot of drama, a lot of, you know, last, uh, I almost said last second field goals. Yeah. It almost feels like a football atmosphere sometimes <laughs> out here. But, you know, like, like walk-offs and, you know, stuff like that, extra inning games. So it's been a weird College World Series. But I'll give the fans for uh, most of these teams a lot of credit because it's been, it's been some pretty, you know, sizable fans, fans uh, as well, like a good bit of fans there, especially when you have four SEC teams in this uh, College World Series field. Eric, in your opinion, who's the bigger surprise, Oklahoma or Ole Miss? I'm going to go with Oklahoma. And, uh, Chris, the, the reason is I think people kind of forget, you know, Ole Miss was essentially a top 10 team in the preseason. I believe D1, I think we had them, Aaron and Kendall had them in the top 10. And, um, and you know, and, and, and then early in the season, Ole Miss actually was the number one team in some rankings uh, for a week, maybe two. If I'm, I'm having trouble remembering how long it was, or because it was so long ago. But so they were up there at the top. OU kind of wasn't. They were kind of on the fringe of people's minds this year. I think going into it, I think you know a lot of people were expecting Oklahoma State and Texas out of the uh, out of the Big Twelve, TCU out of the Big Twelve. But man, both of these teams, and then both these teams did have some moments where they scuffled a bit this year. Uh, so I, I will say that I, you know, if you'd asked at the beginning of the year, 
I think people, there would have been a number of people said Ole Miss would be a team that they expect to see in Omaha, but I'm, I'm not sure Oklahoma would be on most people's list. So I'll give, I'll give this a bigger surprise to be the Sooners. I, I heard, uh, I think it was earlier in the week, whenever we were doing this show, Mike Farron said it seems like that all, all that needs to happen for Ole Miss to get hot is to put Mike Bianco on the hot seat. And then sure enough, they start rolling. Yeah. But, I mean, how about the job they did with kind of re-imaging their ro- – I shouldn't say roster, excuse me, their pitching rotation throughout this season. I mean, they, they shifted some yeah. things up and weren't afraid to change. Yeah, oh, that's absolutely true. And and one of the things it's it's really interesting because I went on a uh, I went on a Mississippi radio show. Um, I've been on this. Well, I won't mention the guy because it's going to say say something bad. But I was I went to see Ole Miss play against Mississippi State earlier this year, back in early April, I guess it was. And me and this friend of mine were talking, and he's and I was like, so what do you think's the future for Bianco? And he goes. Uh, he's got to be gone. Yeah, he just has to be. You, you can't, you know, he's you can't get to Omaha just once in your years here. And, and you know, I know he's changed the program and all that. I was kind of like, man, that's really harsh. But he might be right. And I like Mike Bianco. He's an LSU grad like me. But and then it just, I mean, that's that's where the mindset was at the time in April. And ironically, Delusia was pitching that night against Mississippi State, and he threw just like tonight. I think. Must have been a four or five hitter. I can't recall for sure, but just mowing people down. But then Ole Miss lost the next two games to Mississippi State. So you just kind of thought, oh, well, you know, they have Delusia and then, you know, things, yeah, that's just, that's just where it'll end, I guess. But no, this is, this has been a team that has really, and you're right, just kind of changed around their pitching a little bit. You know, Derek Diamond kind of struggled a little bit. So they brought other people up and, you know, John Gaddis pitched a pretty good game yesterday. And, and yeah, Jack Doherty's really a force at the end of games. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think everything kind of changed. Just, you know, it, it just seemed like they finally just got everything clicking at the right time. And, again, just like I said, both of these teams kind of had their scuffling moments earlier this year. And, and it's, just, it's just really cool to see teams come together and not fall apart at, in the middle of their seasons after they go through a rough stretch. A couple more and I'll let you get out of here. Um, with, yeah. with, with this whole postseason, I mean, how do we make sense of it, right? It was the Tennessee Invitational until it wasn't. Then it was supposed to be Oregon State. Then Auburn beats them. Then it was Stanford, and they no-show in the World Series. How do we how do we yeah. make sense of what's happened in this postseason? Yeah, you kind of just don't. I think that's one of the beauties of college baseball. You know, it's, it, it really can be. And that's one of the things I love that's different from, obviously, college football. You've just got a handful of teams that have a chance at a title, to be honest. But college baseball, you know, you go through a bad stretch like both of these teams have, and it's not the end of the season. It's not like, you know, you lose a couple games, you're out of the rankings in football, and then you get a low, lower-tier bowl game, you know, that, you know, sponsored by a, by a furniture company or something like that, you know? <laughs> so this is, where you, this is what I love about it, man, because it, it could be, you know, and again, I, I'll, I'll kind of defer to, you know, like a, a Fresno State or a Coastal Carolina in those years. It could be any of about 40, 50 teams that, have, that, that, that really do have a shot at the national championship. Um, but, yeah, it's been a really weird postseason. And I think if you remember that, you know, we're just talking about Tennessee, they were the number one team for 10 or 12 weeks. And we had that with Arkansas last year. And the UCLA the year before, or in 2019, before the pandemic, obviously, those three teams all were number one for double-digit uh, number of weeks, and all of them lost in the Super Regional. Wow. So these things happen all the time now, and it's, and, and it's not a shock. I mean, yeah, we had a lot of, most, I guess it was mostly or all Power 5 teams here this year, but you had a team from the snow belt like Notre Dame, which is great. I, I really would have liked to have seen them done better even up here. 
uh, in Omaha, but it's just, yeah, it, it's just anything can happen. It's cliche, I know, and I'm not coining any new phrase by saying that, man, but it really is true. All right, uh, one more, and I'll let you get out of here. Who's the sure, favorite man. now? Who's the favorite now, Eric? Who you got winning this thing starting Saturday night? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I, I think it's pretty – I think the big consensus would be that OU would be the favorite – because of how their pitching sets up. I mean, they're they're ready to go like it's a regular weekend in the regular season. And now, you know, Ole Miss, they've had the luxury, and then, or Oklahoma has had the luxury of not having to burn their Friday guy like Ole Miss. Dustin Delucia, or Dylan Delucia, sorry, um, doesn't appear like he'll pitch unless they do something, go to a third game, and they decide to really roll the dice and bring him back. But I, you got to go with Oklahoma, and, and I'm still waiting to see Tanner Treadaway and Peyton Graham making out in this game at the, at the plate. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. Rumor is they're going to go five for five in each of these next two or three games. But yeah, I, I give OU the favorite role, but I think as, as Mike Yanko said in the post the post game press conference today, it's like, yeah, they, they, you know, we had to burn our, burn our starter, but our, for our Friday starter, but you know what, at this point, anything can happen. And it really is true that anything can happen. And that's, what's, that's, what's so cool. You know, I was just talking to Toby Rowland about this last segment about Skip Johnson, but in Mike Bianco too. What just two great guys as as head coaches, and this isn't uh, yeah. anything against Schlossnagel or Van Horn or David Pierce, but no. it's really cool to see two guys in this situation as head coaches for the first time. Yeah, you know, and Skip Johnson toiled for a long time as a pitching coach uh, at Texas, and he pitched or uh, not pitch, he coached under Augie Garrido, yeah. which is you know you can't have a better mentor than that. And Skip just seems like a guy that's, you know, he's just salt of the earth type of dude. And Mike Bianco, I think, you know, <laughs> I think Mike Bianco's ass has permanently got a ring around it because he's always on, he's sitting on the hot seat. <laughs> and it's like perpetually, perpetually, man. And that's why it's great. I love to see him sort of, sort of put it in the fan base's faces that he's gotten this far and uh, on the precipice of a national title. I think it's great. And, and I do, yeah, I dig both these guys and they're both pretty good dudes. And I think both of them follow me on Twitter, so I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna make sure of that. Otherwise, I'm gonna have to cheer against one of them if they don't. But yeah, good dudes, and I won't be disappointed to see either one of them lift the uh, lift the national championship trophy because Chris, as Bino Cook, the venerable Bino Cook, used to say, that when you get older, you tend to cheer for people more than you do teams. So you know, being an LSU grad, I hate Ole Miss, but I love Mike Bianco, so I'm gonna love seeing him lift the trophy if he does at the end of this year. Good stuff from Eric Sorensen, D1Baseball.com. Though I think if I put some truth serum in him, he would still pick Oklahoma to win the national championship. We'll react to that next. Sooners, Rebs, we got you covered on our flagship in Norman, the ref, 1499.3 FM. In the meantime, take a timeout, hit your best text, plus the top five stories of the day, brought to you by Newcastle Casino right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. A uh, couple of quick tweets. Uh, Shep hits us up on Twitter and writes, why not a home run village watch party? It's kind of sucks that it is. I mean, summer school's going on, but that'd be cool, right? Maybe do something, but where would you do it? Would they let us watch? If we get, okay, here's an idea. Caitlin Fournier, you guys should hire me at marketing. I'm ready to go. Let's invite people to watch. Wait, how big is our big screen in baseball? Just do it at the football stadium. Okay, there you go. Why don't we invite people to watch at the football stadium? And let's just watch sell on that jumbo train. Sell a couple concessions up there. 
It's just tough because it's in the middle of the summer and it could look really bad. I mean, let's just be honest. There, no one. There's a chance that nobody would show up because half of the fan base is already there, and a lot of people are at home. If you could, if you have a big enough big screen in the outfield, now that'd be really cool. Be hot. But set set up something in the outfield. But I like the way I like the way you're thinking, Shep. I like the way that you're thinking. All right, let's see here. Saturday. Oh no, it'd be good out there. High of 101. Oh yeah, yeah, nice low and warm of for the 71. start. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian Alberts hits me up on hits us up on Twitter and writes OKC got a potential stud in Chet to get with the ascending young squad. The yeah, no, they got three. Potential studs, actually four, if you mix the second Jalen Williams in. And, uh, well, no guaranteed studs. We'll find out. Jason. Uh, OKC with a home run draft led by Chet on a legit and up-and-coming squad. I, Hey, I'm, I appreciate that you guys are, are fired up about the future, but it's the old – you should be. But in the same way, you got to prepare yourself because there's never been a more boom or bust. I don't think there's going to be a middle-of-the-road NBA guy here. Right, no. there's not going to be a Gary Payton the second. I'm just trying to think of people that you look at. Oh, they've had a nice career. I mean, maybe the yeah. No, I I, I don't even know enough about the first Jalen Williams to feel that he's that way. <laughs> you know what? I know enough about the first Jalen Williams to say he might have a future as a shooter. But I can't even begin to tell you how many guys I saw light it up in college, and for some reason it just don't connect at the next level. I actually think that second Jalen Williams pick was a sneaky good pick for Oklahoma City. I don't think that he's going to be some star by any stretch of the imagination, but for all of the love that Kenrich Williams, uh, you know, has got, I mean, I could see him being similar to that. You know, it's kind of funny um, because every time you say that, I realize how much of a challenge it's going to be for me this year to keep my Jalen Williams separated. How are they going to do that on the jersey? I don't know. One of them's got to change the way he spells Williams, I guess. Yeah, somebody's going to have to be like (laughs) J-Dub. There's much more. Twitter blown up. I love it. At Josh on Ref. I'm at Plank Show. Everybody should be following us at KREF Sports. Top five stories of the day presented by Newcastle Casino is next here on the Home of Sooner Fans.